You're listening to Earshot from WXXI News. I'm Veronica Volk. This week, a shortage of baby formula is causing local parents to panic. No one should be in this position. No one should have to worry about how to feed their child, period. Plus, a historical marker in Fairport celebrates the history of the area's early European settlers. But it's complicated. During that whole time, that never came up as an issue on the marker. It was a different time. All that from your local news podcast, Earshot. Support for Earshot from WXXI News is provided by Rock Vox Recording and Production, presenting Legacy Cast, audio and video recordings of loved ones telling their stories for posterity. Produced in a full service studio located in Bushnell's Basin. More at rocvox.com. The last thing a parent wants to worry about is where their baby's next meal is going to come from. This nightmare turned into a reality for many as a baby formula shortage swept the nation. In New York, more than half of babies are fed some type of formula by the age of three months. Supermarket shelves once full of formula are now bare. Resource centers are trying to fill the gap for parents in need, and Facebook formula sharing groups are popping up in every community. My colleague Raquel Steven looked into how this is affecting families locally. She has this story. Jen Vitamin and her husband had their first child about five months ago. You hungry? I think so. A baby girl they named Quinn, who Vitamin jokingly calls a formula machine. She eats around 30 ounces of formula a day. Like as she grows, she just needs to eat more um, because she's not on solids yet. But just a few weeks ago, the new parents started to panic. Because we couldn't find her formula anywhere, and we realized we were on the last can. Back in February, the largest formula plant in the United States, called Abbott Nutrition, closed due to contamination problems. The effects of this shutdown are now being felt across the nation. Formula aisles are bare, and Amazon warehouses have limited to no inventory. It's a scary moment for parents. And the CDC reports one in five babies is fed with some kind of formula in the first two days of being born. Vitamin, who has a medical condition that doesn't allow her to produce sufficient amount of breast milk, says feeding your child should never be an issue. No one should be in this position. No one should have to worry about how to feed their child, period. Whether they're five months old, whether they're 10 years old, whether they're 18, like nobody needs to be in this position at all. And especially when you look at other countries not having this problem. Luckily for Biden, she has family in Canada who have agreed to deliver some formula to her, but she wants parents to use their resources. Just reach out to your village and we can get through it. Um, but yeah, it's scary stuff. For mothers who rely on government assistance, the struggle to find formula can be even scarier. Carrie Santos is the program manager for Jordan Health WIC office. Jordan Health serves about 4,000 families, and Santos says roughly 25% of them are enlisted in the formula program. 
She says she and her team spend most of the day answering calls from frantic mothers, calling vendors to do formula checks, and often switching clients to formulas that are available. Parents are frustrated. You know, kids don't always tolerate the formula when you switch them. It's just there's so much going on. Santos says some parents are taking matters into their own hands. So they're kind of making their own um, solutions. And some of those might be great. And some of those might not include breast milk or formula, which is what the baby needs for their first year of life. And that's a little scary. In the beginning months of the shortage, the FDA released a statement advising parents against homemade formula. The agency cited reports that infants who were fed homemade formula were being hospitalized with low calcium levels. Santos says alternatives like whole milk are only good after a baby turns one. She wants to assure her clients that the department will do everything it can to meet their needs. She just asks for one thing. Don't wait till you got a bottle left because we've had parents call me and say, I've only got one bottle left and I can't find the formula. Um, it's easier for us to help when we have a little bit more time. President Joe Biden recently delegated actions to make formula production a top priority in the U.S., and I've directed my team to do everything possible to ensure there's enough safe baby formula and that it's quickly reaching families that need it the most. This includes invoking the Defense Production Act. Biden says this act will force suppliers to prioritize infant formula manufacturers over their other customers. The president also announced Operation Fly Formula, which will send aircraft planes overseas to pick up infant formula that meet U.S. health and safety standards. So we can get it on the store shelves faster. Abbott Nutrition recently reached a preliminary agreement with the FDA to restart production pending safety upgrades and certifications. Once reopened, it can take the plant up to two months to get formulas back on the shelves. Raquel Steven is the health reporter for WXXI News. Hi, this is Megan Mack from WXXI. And if you're enjoying Earshot, subscribe to our other podcast, Connections with Evan Dawson. Catch up on discussions about current events, arts, politics, and interesting people. Subscribe to Connections with Evan Dawson wherever you find your podcasts. There are thousands of New York historical markers scattered throughout the state, pointing to locations of moments in history, usually with a big plaque on a post. You've probably walked by some of them hundreds of times. And if you're one of those people who stops to read them, you know the text on these things can have stories that are interesting or pivotal or even bizarre. But they can also mark things that are outdated and even racist. This story concerns the latter. David Andrietta is the editor of City Magazine. He found a new marker that has gone up in Fairport and learned more about the one it replaced. He has this story. For 70 years, there was a blue and gold New York State historic marker on South Main Street. The sign marked the home of Abner White. That's W-I-G-H-T White. He was an early settler of Parenton, and the marker celebrated the birth of his son. It read, First white child to survive born here. That's White, W-H-I-T-E White. 
you could be forgiven for doing a double take, but it's no typo. It was not unusual for early American settlements to commemorate the birth of their first white child. In fact, plaques marking such an event can be found in cities, towns, and rural communities across the country. SUNY Geneseo history professor Michael Oberg explained that the signs were emblems that white settlers had claimed the land enough to start peopling it. These notions of the first white child and things like that, they were designed to essentially legitimate a process of dispossession that transformed what was once Indian land into white settlements. The marker went up in 1949. Bill Poré is the parent-in-town historian. He says for decades, nobody gave it much of a thought. During that whole time, the idea of first white child to survive, that never came up as an issue on the marker. It was a different time. But things changed in Fairport in September of 2020. The nation faced a racial justice reckoning, and the village reflected on a pair of high-profile racist incidents on its streets. That's when a resident complained about the first white child language, and village officials ordered the sign removed. Last week, with school children on hand, Hello, friends. village officials unveiled a new sign commemorating Abner White. This one cites his service at the Battle of Lexington, makes no mention of the birth of his child, and noted that he, quote, settled here on Seneca land. Poré was integral to coordinating the sign and its new language. Well, the topic of the first white child to survive, through my research, I've realized is a story that could be told in every little community in America. Uh, it happened everywhere. And so it doesn't seem to be the most notable thing to put on a historic marker. The current owner of the Abner White home is Lynn Barber. She welcomed the change. Barber says the wording of the original sign was insensitive to Native peoples and an embarrassment to her. Yes, kind of made me grit my teeth. Um, and that it has been here so long, you know, and that that is one of the, to the original creators of the sign, that is one of the important pieces of information, which is painful. Does so, it feel so important anymore? I don't think so, you know? I don't think so. I think I'd be more interested in knowing about the first Seneca child born here. That'd be real history, you know? David Andrietta is the editor of City Magazine. And that's it for Earshot. Subscribe to this podcast to get new episodes in your feed every Friday. Find even more local news on our website, wxxinews.org. Music this week from Blue Dot Sessions and Poddington Bear. I'm Veronica Volk. Thanks for listening. This program is a production of member-supported WXXI Public Broadcasting, Rochester, New York.